This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm Bill Lack, and we're happy to have one of our spotlight players with us here today in the Red Leg Nation Radio studio, Matt Clinker. Matt, thanks for being with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Had a heck of a year in 09. Climbed three levels with your numbers improving at, at each stop. Tell us a little bit how that, what, what 09 looked like from your perspective. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a roller coaster. Ups and downs, trips to the DL, uh, great games, bad games. Um, but you know when it, when the dust settled, uh, you know the general average was really good year, and it's definitely a, a foothold to uh, build on for next year. What part of the year were you most proud of? What was your the thing you were most proud of that, that you accomplished last year? Uh, I mean, getting just getting the AAA last year uh, was I mean outside of my expectations, so that was great. Um, but then having a couple of really good starts there too. Um, just something, like I said, something I can build on to next year. Hopefully, continue where I left off, um, and not not on the DL. That's where I actually ended. But continue um, just putting up good numbers and some quality starts um, at AAA. Yeah, those bad starts just happened when Linda and I were at the ballpark <laughs> to see you pitch. Um, what, what what was the, the most disappointing thing about last year to you? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't even say some of the bad outings or the rough outings I had. Probably just the two stints to the DL. Um, you know, uh, I talked to you know pitching coordinator and um, you know just a couple you know Browning, Tom Browning and and Mario Soto, and they basically said the one thing that eliminates most most pitchers from ever making it to the major leagues is just their their durability, their health, and um, how long their arm can stay healthy. So you know that's a glaring thing that I think everyone looks at, myself included, as as a big red flag, um, but hopefully I can uh, quiet the naysayers next year, put up a solid year, uh, stay healthy the entire season. Were the two stints on the DL basically the same thing? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, de- it was the same injury. Really don't, I mean, we, we know what it was caused by. Uh, don't really know what set it off. Um, the first one they kind of thought, experimenting with a slider might have done it um and then the second one probably just just the end of the year just broken not broke down but just just tired and didn't uh keep the body where i needed to keep it to uh maintain health the the whole year your innings last year were down a little bit from the year before weren't they yep um i think i think uh, innings per outing uh were better but just because of the time on the DL, I didn't have the chance to. Uh, Did they put you on some kind of program or, or work with you with mechanical adjustments to, to hopefully this won't this won't reoccur? Uh, yeah. When I, I mean, I, right at the end of the season, came home, um, uh, had an MRI with Dr. Krimchek, and he said everything looked absolutely, you know, fine. No micro tears, no frays, no nothing. Um, and he was just like, but you have a tight shoulder capsule, 
you just need to stretch the you know the crap out of it um so you know that's just the plan is you know normally we would do like a major arm stretch like maybe the day after i pitched day after i did a bullpen now i mean it's every day prior to throwing and then after throwing just try to keep it loose as much as i can have you had any struggles this year in the offseason no struggles thus far uh knock on wood Arms feeling great. I'm about a week ahead of the the schedule that they have for us, the throwing schedule. So everything looks great right now. Let's talk about 2010. What are what are your goals for this year? Do you set statistical goals, or do you just? I know you've talked about wanting to progress one level a year, but what about statistical goals? Do you do you set anything like that? Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, last year, I think was the first time. I mean, my goal and. In 07 and 08 was a strikeout an inning. Last year I had that, so that's still, again, up there. It's um, less than three walks per nine innings, which I, I don't think I've ever had. I don't think I've been close to that. So, um, you know, that's a goal. And uh, definitely a whip under, like, 1.5. You know, that's a good mark to be at. Um, but really, I mean, the main goals is just, Eating up innings. Uh, you know, this year I want to go, you know, 140 at least. Uh, you know, in the minor league season, 140, 145. That that kind of parlays out to uh, to about 200 innings on a major league season. So, um, lots of innings. Uh, strike out an inning. Limit the walks. And uh, just have a good record, I guess. Three guys from your draft class finished the year in AAA. You were you and Krebs were 14 and 15, and then Frazier's a high pick. Do you think at this point in your career does draft position mean anything? Always, you know. Uh, Frazier starts in AAA and he struggles, and you know they have to adjust him. You know he's gonna always get at he's gonna get a second chance, a third chance, where you know Krebs or I we we kind of start struggling, you know. There's going to be somebody right behind us, ready to leapfrog us. We might not get that second opportunity. Him, maybe a little more. He's got that left. You know, he's a left-hander. But you know, I mean, higher round, higher money. You're going to get a second shot, third shot. Where you never know. You might be only one shot if you're a late-round pick. Do you consider yourself a late-round pick at, at, at 15? Uh. Fifteen. I mean, that's like a mid-range pick, but because I was a senior in college, no leverage, it automatically just goes straight to no money. So. Okay. Um, now that you you've made it to AAA, so you've been all through the system. Tell us a little bit about the different minor league levels on and off the field. Uh, we'll start on the field. I mean, obviously, you can tell by my numbers at Sarasota this year. I mean, you'd think the competition gets better, and obviously it does. But I think there's just levels that suit you know, are are suited more towards certain types of players. You know, when I was just pounding the strike zone in, in Sarasota, those guys were just hacking away. I wasn't, you know, trying to fool anybody. Um, where, you know, double-A, triple-A, those guys are a little more prone to take a strike one because they know they're going to see another pitch. Um, and they're, they're, they're trying to see pitches. The more pitches they see, the more confident they are getting one that they can hit. Where, you know, in Sarasota... Guys, pitchers might be a little more wild. The hitter's approaches, if I see one, I'm, I'm taking a hack at it. Um, so for a guy that just pours strikes in the zone, he might get in trouble. <laughs> Obviously, you know, that happened to me a little bit. Um, double A and triple A, you know, the travel, much nicer. We got sleeper buses in double A. 
But uh, the Southern League, they do have some long trips. Uh, when you have to take a when you when you burn up half of your day off coming back from a road trip or going to your next road trip, and that kind of takes the fun out of it. You don't really get to recover like you you do. AAA when you're taking charter flights to any trip over three hours. That's pretty nice. Pretty sweet. That's huh? pretty nice. I mean, you don't have to leave until like 11 a.m. to you know for a night game that night. That's really nice. Helps you sleep better and helps you recover. Um, in the locker room, you know, at AAA, it was a struggle at first. I mean, um, I came in there maybe maybe a little more jovial than I should have been. I don't know. I was happy to be there. Um, you know, I thought they'd ha- be happy to have me. And they really didn't care. So <laughs> you're, uh, you're just me. I, yeah, I was just me. I was <laughs> not anything special. So um, you know that was um, a wake up call. Double A. You know, I, I had some had some buddies up there already. So that, that was an easy transition. Um, and then single A, just being in Sarasota. I mean, even when my time on the DL, even though it did stink because I wasn't playing. I mean, you can't you can't beat rehabbing in the morning and then having your afternoons in Sarasota to yourself. I mean, that's it's tough to beat. Tell us about the uh, the feeling that that first start that Sunday night in, in Louisville. What went through your brain and how'd your stomach feel? And well, I I wasn't that nervous. You know, we got Lee Tabor and I came up together. We were on the same flight, checked into the hotel room the same. We got a cab to the field, and we, you know, we talked about it. And we're like, dude, we're on the doorstep right now. I'm like, this is awesome. Um, you know, some organizations you get the double A, you're on the doorstep. You know, just in the past with the Reds, you know, history, you know, can write its own book. You know, you got to go to Triple A. You're, you're going to go through Triple A. So once we got there, we're, like, hey, we're on the doorstep. We talked about it. You know, you nervous, and we we both really calmed each other down, but. You know, my warm-up was fine. Seeing my family at the game was fine. Then I go out on the mound, and, you know, I didn't, you know, I came up that day, so I didn't really get the scouting report, but I'm looking at their lineup. You know, it was like eight eight out of nine guys, big league experience. I was like, man, here we go. And, uh, you know, definitely the nerves got the best of me, but, you know, after that game, I kind of settled in, found my groove. So uh, Did they quit hitting the ball back at you? No, I just I found the strike zone a little bit. Um, that first game, I was all over the place. I think I had three walks and three innings. No bueno. So, so so let's 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 move on to to this year. Um, are you excited about going to Arizona for spring training? Yeah, I mean, always want to greet a new opportunity with with some excitement, with some um, some sort of expectations, and you know. The, Inquirer had a great article about the new new facilities, and that's not going to be a, a question. You know, it's brand new, plenty of room. Uh, I am a little worried about the distance in between the practice fields. You know, when when we have to move rotate our stations, uh, I might get winded running from one <laughs> from, running from one place to another. But I've heard the weather's amazing. We're not going to have any rainouts. You know, unless El Nino hits. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited to get out there. Uh, well, I miss Sarasota for sure. Um, I mean, Sarasota's having two, spent two years, you know, half of two years there, and then two spring trainings. It, you get you get to know a lot of the people, and I'll miss it for sure. 
we uh, you saw on the on the blog where we, we took some questions from our from our blog readers, and uh, I'm gonna hit you with a few of these here. Okay. The first one's from Who's Your Dad, and he wants to know what your reaction was to the Chapman signing. I think uh, you know, well, I'm not a scout, so I'm not gonna say it, it, he he's he's done a project or he's not done a project. But I would say the the way they worked the deal was amazing. Uh, you know, if he if if he's as good as we say he is, the way you know the way they parlayed it out over as many years as they did, we only had to pay him you know like I think a million in signing and then a million for his salary this year. I mean that's a bargain. Um, so I mean I think it's a great signing. Uh, his contract the way it's set up, you know hopefully he he works out. I mean, a guy that throws a hundred, you can't teach that. So, uh, um, you know, develop some other pitches, and you know, he, he'll be set. Yeah, and he's left-handed. Yeah, exactly. Okay, BJ Rubel asks, what you worked on in the off-season to get you ready to a possible jump to the big leagues? Um, I would say a jump is definitely going to be more mental. Uh, you know, just like the jump to AAA. You know, it wasn't. I had to throw more strikes, or I had to throw a better curveball. It, it was. You know, I had to get over the fact that there was big league guys in the lineup. You know, I just had to be ready for that and uh, and challenge them. I think it's going to be the same thing if I do make the jump this year or next year. Just be ready. Uh, no fear. Attack guys. Um, challenge them with my strengths. Um, what I've worked on, haven't really, I saw it on the blog, have you worked on any special pitches? I haven't really tried to work on any pitches. Um, you know, the slider, that kind of backfired in my face last year uh you know i think my four seam it already kind of cuts and my two seamer you know um kind of sinks so i'm not trying to i'm not i don't think i i just call myself robitussin just giving the same old medicine here it is um so just trying to stay healthy keep the arms stretched that's the biggest thing i'm working on this offseason were you surprised or disappointed you didn't get an invite to the big league camp um no, I mean, at the end of the season, uh, if I would have been healthy, I would have hoped. If I would have ended the whole, you know, pitched the whole season with the ERA I had and been healthy the entire season, I would have hoped I would have gotten an invite. But being, you know, injured, the Reds are way more concerned with me staying healthy than, hey, he needs to get experience at big league camp. Um, and then, hey, $30 million to sign Chapman. they got to cut some corners somewhere. So <laughs> if they're cutting it with me, hey, I understand completely. Um, but hopefully I'll throw in some big league games and uh, get to wear my pants down and those nice shiny white pants. So we'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, definitely don't feel like I got snubbed. Totally understand where the Reds are coming from there. Would I have liked to have got invited? Of course. But... Uh, don't don't blame them for not inviting me. Since, since you finished the year in AAA last year, if you don't make it to the big club at some point this year, will it be a disappointing year for you? Uh, great question. Uh, I I have to say no, um, just because it's got more to do with the timetable, with the forty man, your protection year, than it really has to do with performance. As bad as that sounds, uh, you know. Last year, the only guy who wasn't on the 40-man who got put on the 40-man to make it to the big club was Stubbs. And with the Traveris dealing... And eh, Yeah, that was because of injuries, though. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, yeah. Uh, good point, good point. 
Uh, but Stubbs with the Traverse signing, you know, he's going to be the, basically they rolled out the carpet for him to be the starting center fielder. And, I mean, he's a freak. So, uh, you know, for them to open up room, put me on the 40-man, then to the big leagues, you know, if it happens, awesome. Um, is it going to be a disappointment if it doesn't? No. I can just go out there and, and pitch, and what happens, happens. I, I think it has to do with with spots becoming available because of trades or injuries or something along those lines more so than my performance will dictate. Um, but on the same token, if those opportunities present themselves and I haven't rise to the occasion by pitching well this season, well, then I just shot myself in the foot. So, so You kind of answered Greg's questions about new pitches and, 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 and cutters and, and using them. You know, but it occurs to me, I remind, I'm reminded of something in Ball 4 where he talks about it's kind of a quandary in that, for pitchers in spring training where you have to impress enough to make the team, but yet you want, you know, they also tell you they want you to work on something. Is this, and this was him at a major league level, is that true at a minor league level too? Do they tell you that they want you to work on something, and you, but you still have to do well enough that you you make the ball club that you're on and you don't end up getting knocked down a level towards the end of spring training? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I think that there's a big conspiracy theory. As much as they preach, like, every day we go out there, is, oh, you're trying to make a club, you're trying to make a club. A lot of guys think in the back of their minds that the rosters are already set. I tend to think that probably 90% of the roster set, and then they, they leave flexibility for maybe 10% of guys to be moved around. Um, so you're talking about two or three guys at Yeah, you know, two or three guys at most. That you know, really surprise people in spring exactly. training. Exactly. They come out of their shoes They're or sitting on the, you know, are sitting on the fence, and they push themselves one way or the other. Um, but, I mean, there there's definitely bullpen sessions when you work on stuff, and you're going in games. And I've always been taught, and I think it's just the competitor and a pitcher, where when, when you got a batter in there, you're getting him out. You, it's not time to toy with him, you know, try to try to trick him. You know, it's, you're, you're going to your, what works for you, and you're trying to get him out. Okay. Uh, Greg also asks, in the minor leagues, how much of the game is called from the dugout versus the catcher? Mm, I mean, maybe in rookie ball or if you got a young catcher, but I would say... You know, I think as soon as I got the high A, no pitches were called. If the pitch is going to be called, it's going to be on like a, a hit and run situation or some sort of late innings, maybe. Or like a. But what the manager mostly calls, he might call for a slide step or a pickoff. He's not going to really call the pitch because he really wants his pitcher to be, you know, to make that call and throw the pitch that he he has confidence in. You ever had a manager tell you to hit somebody? Uh, I'll plead the fifth there. <laughs> plead right. the fifth. I wasn't going to ask you who it was. Have you ever had a catcher that, that, that didn't speak English? Um, uh, Ed Sosa, but he speaks great English. Um, I don't think so. The reason I ask is a couple of years, oh, gosh, it's been a number of years ago now, when I was down watching the Gulf Coast League, when I met Bo Lanier and, and Russell Haldemeyer, they were complaining at the time because there wasn't a catcher on the staff on the Gulf Coast League team that spoke English, hmm. and it was it was an issue, you know. But you've done something you've never had to deal with. Mm-mm. And I think Hernandez he speaks he speaks really good English, so I don't I don't think those guys have a problem with it. So. Another one of Greg's questions: How much freedom do minor league pitchers have to shake the catcher off? Oh, as as much as they want. They it's your shake, game. Yeah, anything. Okay. Like uh, now, I will say I. I 
I, Corky only caught me one time um, in AAA, and there was a couple of times where I'd shake him, and he'd put the same pitch down, and uh, that's when I was kind of like, all right, he know he definitely knows these hitters better than I do. Uh, I better just trust him and, and throw the way he calls, and majority of the time it worked out. So, uh, you know, sometimes you got to listen to your catchers, and uh, there's been times where I've shaken them off, and they've come out to me, and we've talked about it, and then we get on the same page, and we're ready to go. Is it definitely is is it a, a relationship you have to build with with catchers? I mean, is is there has to be a certain amount of trust between the pitcher and the catcher? Is... I mean, I don't know if it's got to be like buddy buddy, but you got to be able to to know each other. Like, how far can you push this pitcher? Like, so I mean, some pitchers are babies. They want to throw what they want to throw. There's no questions asked. And if a catcher comes out, he's going to tell them to go back and sit down and shut up. Um, I'm not that kind of guy, but. Uh, you know, that works for some pitchers. Um, so catchers just have to understand the demeanor of the pitcher, and pitcher needs to understand the demeanor of a catcher. How do you feel about pit, or GRF asks, how do you feel about pitch counts for pitchers in the minors? I think pitch counts are great for uh, pitchers in the minors, pitchers in the majors. I mean, if you look at statistics, once a guy's about 100, 110 pitches, his ERA skyrockets. Um, you know, and I'm sure there's always going to be exception to the rules. Some guys, you know, dice K or whatever, 300 pitch bullpens. I don't know, but um, you know, I think it's good. And and really, uh, I think a big movement in in pitch count philosophy is is like long innings or like they call them like stressful pitches. Like if you have a guy on base, second base, or in scoring position, uh, they count it as a stressful pitch. And if you have, like, so many in back-to-back innings or if you have, like, 30-plus pitches in back-to-back innings, you're, you're, you're probably probably at your limit. I don't know the, all, all the jargon and all the math mathematical breakdown, but um, I know there's been a lot of study behind that lately. How much has your pitch count changed from, from Billings where you started to, to last year? Uh, Billings, I mean, the whole year I was in Billings, we didn't have, like, True, like anyone that was, we had all young guys, so every guy piggybacked. You were going to go four innings max, and then you're out of there. I mean, maybe five if like our bullpen was shoddy that night. You know, maybe they had thrown a bunch of innings the night before, but never going more than five innings. You could be at 50 pitches. Then Dayton, um, after I mean after rookie ball, it was kind of like it, it was based on the season, not really the level. You know, early in the season, you're going to be at about 75, then go up to about 85 mid-season, and then at the end, you're 95-100 pitches, um, depending on your inning count for the season. For Pinson343, I'm going to kind of paraphrase his, his question here. Would you, if you'd thrown a lot of innings this year, say you're up around the, the 140 that you're talking about, 145, one, maybe 150, would you still want to? Would you still want to? Not want to be, but would you still think it'd be a good idea to call you up at that point if you've thrown that many innings? I mean, I don't know. That's not my decision. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm kind of biased on that, yeah, right? I, I understand. Get me to the show, but uh, I don't but, know. But, but you sure wouldn't want to do it at the at the possibility of hurting your career. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you would. All right. Um. And you've already said that you, your, your goal this year is to throw about 140 innings, which would put you right about where you were the year before last. Yeah. 
Sultan of Swaf asks, as a guy who only plays once every five days, as opposed to the guys that actually work for a living, uh, how bored do you get on your off days when you're not pitching? And, and, and what do you do to, to stave off that boredom? Drink a lot of coffee. Uh, no. I mean, you get a ton of work in. If you're not working on those five, those four off days, you're, 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 the season's going to catch up to you. Um, during the ball game, like it, a lot depends. You're in Louisville. We only charted one day in the stands. The day before we pitched, we charted, and then this, the the our two days before we were doing the hitting chart. And uh, so I mean, we charted two days. The other two days we were in the dugout. You know, I, th- we have a spread chart that the hitting coach normally keeps. I'll I'll try to volunteer to do that. But some of them are, are a little particular how they like it kept. So um, I tried to stay busy. It was easy. When I got to Louisville, it was really easy. I mean, we had uh, we had Burton down there. We had Owings. You know, you could always pick those guys' brains. Um, I went to Furman. Burton went to Western Carolina. So same con- Southern Conference. So uh, he, he liked to give me some crap about that. But, uh, you know, it, it, sometimes it is hard find something to do sometimes the games are exciting fun to watch you're in you're intense um you know sometimes you like to make fun of the manager <laughs> the other team you just got to find something to do. do do you can you learn anything by watching somebody else pitch for sure for sure the way the way a guy attacks somebody um i mean you can learn something by the way a guy sets up and not not just like oh how am i going to go after him but just like the way hitters think in general, um, oh, you, just by watching the game, you learn so much. And when you play, that, that's one the biggest thing I've, from college is that when you play every day, and when your paycheck depends on it, you get so much better. Um, you get so much more disciplined, and uh, you just pick up on things so much quicker. Uh, GRF had another question. He asked what your favorite minor league parks are. Mm. I mean, if you just want to go by aesthetics, I mean, uh, is it Victory Field, Indy? I mean, that field's great. Columbus got voted the best field for the season. I, I mean, it was nice, don't get me wrong, but I like Toledo just as well. Um, I'll say Huntsville in AA. That, that place had... It needs a little improvement. Uh, that's definitely not one of my favorites. Uh, what was it? Did, didn't you tell me about the one in, one in Pennsylvania? Oh, Lehigh Valley? That was nice. Not only... The field was nice. Um, it's brand new, so it should be. Um, but just the area. Uh, Bethlehem. We stayed downtown. The Bethlehem Inn or Bethlehem Hotel. Sweet old hotel. Really fun. Um just a quaint, small little town. It, it, it was cool. It's cool town. Like Clearwater. I've heard good things about the, the ballpark in Clearwater. Clearwater is fun to p- place to play. Probably the funnest place in the in the Florida State League. They always have like a promotion. I think the night I pitched, it was like 70s night. They had like people wearing disco and they did musical chairs or something. Um, plus, there's like a couple restaurants right outside that we could go to after the game. So. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I would love to go see the new ballpark in Billings. I bet that's a great place to play. Um, is it uh, Orem? You were the last year at college, yeah. right? Yeah, 
last last year at Cobb, but Logan got to experience that too. Um, Orem might, I think it was Orem or Ogden, no Orem in Utah might be my favorite ballpark to play in. Beautiful mountains, unbelievable. Is that uh, one of the mountains that are like right out past yeah, center field? Right I, I've seen to pictures. left and center. Oh, it's amazing. He also asked, what are the worst and longest bus trips? The one to Orem. <laughs> a couple in Double A that I got, uh, I mean, the Midwest League going to Iowa. A couple of those were bad. Well, when they moved uh, the, the, the team the, out of, you know, last year in Double A, it, it lengthened the trips by what? Yeah. A couple, at least a couple of hours? Like the average trip six. Yeah. Six and a half. That's the shortest one. That's Logan Parker that you can, can almost hear talking there. He's sitting in here with us. Uh, it's so the trips to Iowa in the Midwest League, the trips like the Alabama, I assume, are, are the worst in, 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 Utah. in the Southern League. And Utah. And, and well, that's about all I've got. Actually, I did have one more question. Okay. Do players read the blogs? I mean, I know you guys kind of check our blog every now and again, see what people are talking about. But I mean, on, on when you guys are in the clubhouse, does I mean, does somebody say, "Did you read what they wrote about so and so on something something?" Um, or is it like I think you know, like there's kind of like a couple sides of the coin. Like there's some like ESPN or you know Baseball America. Everybody's gonna read those. Then there's some guys who get involved in like the the team specific blogs. And then um, there's other guys who just read everything. Um, but all guys, they're going to read something. Um, I would think it'd be tough at times to read things that people were writing about you. I would think that would be very difficult at times, especially if you're struggling. You know. That's why I do this. So when I do struggle, maybe they'll have some sympathy on me. Is that what it is? Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Matt? Uh, no. Uh, it's been a, it's been another good off season in Cincinnati. Um, Working in the hair salon. Yeah. Uh, the more I'm around the city, you know, the more I enjoy it. You did what? One day of student teaching, or one week of student teaching this year? Yeah. Season? Caught the swine flu. That was about all of that. But I've been doing it here and there for for teachers that I've stayed in touch with. It's fun. I'm have, doing. Have you picked all your weight back up that you lost? Yeah, I'm sitting at like 207, 210. Um, I think last year I was playing at about 217 to 220. I, I kind of like 210 right now. We'll, we'll stay there for a little bit. We'll see how the food is in Arizona. There you go. Um, again, I want to thank you very much for your time as always, Matt. We wish you luck in spring training the entire year, and hopefully we'll see a great American ballpark this year. I do appreciate it. I just want to tell everybody, upcoming in the next couple of weeks, uh, we've got an interview set up we're going to do with Devin Mezzarocco, and we're also going to talk to Mr. Logan Parker. Again. Again. <laughs> and that's all we've got. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.
Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 